Well, hi, everyone. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in and being part of ICU Talks, which is a mental health speaking ministry, being part of our podcast, Hear Voices. And today in the studio, we have a really special guest. Her name is Crystal, and I'm going to let her introduce her amazing self to all of you. Amazing is a little bit of a reach, but thank you. Well, you're welcome. Uh, my name is Crystal <laughs> Emmerich. I am a mother of an almost three-year-old, wow. a mother of a 10-year-old four-legged creature, a wife, and uh, also the founder of Brave Step. Yeah, Brave Step, absolutely. So those of you who follow us and you're coming you know, on on Tuesday evenings, the third Tuesday of the month, and doing other stuff with us, you may be like, Where, where's Crystal in the speaker lineup? Well... Good question, listeners. How astute of you to ask that. So Crystal's not a speaker for us yet. We could not fit her into our 2019 calendar, but God really, really put it on my heart to bring her in the studio. And now that we have podcasts, it's another avenue to give people free therapy, free resources, because that's our heart is just to help people know what's going on. I contacted Crystal and she said yes so far. She doesn't regret it. I'm sure I don't. As I told you in the text, anything for you, Kim. Oh, thank you. I'm blushing, y'all. <laughs> so will you kind of, you know, tell them about Brave Step, but I really want to know, and our listeners want to know, what happened in your life mm-hmm. that you are willing to organize, create, find, be the founder of, mother of, Stepchild in moments of <laughs> of this amazing organization called Brave Step. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a journey to get me to this point, and and definitely pepper me with questions because I always mm-hmm. tell it, and I feel like I missed a whole bunch of stuff, especially uh, some of the fabrics of what God did through it, through right. me, through it, mm-hmm. and to where we are today. But um, Brave Step is a nonprofit that helps men and women impacted by sexual abuse, and our whole purpose and the heart of what we're trying to do is to help people come along the journey to heal. Uh, and that's different for every person. Right. Um, and, and I know that because I, I was sexually abused. So I was abused from the approximately the age of three till mm. 13. Wow. By a very close member of the family who I, I spent so much time with him and yeah. very close. I, I mean, I adored him. I looked up mm. to him. And, you know, through the course of those 10 years, especially early on, of course, I was, you know, three, four, five years old. I didn't know. Right. I didn't know what abuse, sexual abuse was. And I certainly didn't know that what was happening wasn't right. Um, and there's a lot of snapshots of, of memories that I still can recall now with now with less emotion, thanks to a lot of therapy. Um, but, you know, over the course of those years, I, I grew up um, you know, I have pictures of me being a little girl with my pony in, in pigtails, and I have this look on my face. And now when I look back on it, I realize what I was going through at that point wow. and grappling with. So um, over the course of those 10 years, uh, you know, there was lots of places that we could have hit. We were on a farm mm-hmm. and, you know, on a farm, farm life isn't a lot of supervision. You go and you do. And and so we had a lot of unsupervised time together and, um, you know, just, it was heart wrenching and I really started to grapple with the fact of what was being done to me mm. wasn't right. And I never could put words to it. Cause you know, and even at six, seven, eight, nine years old, you still can't put words to it. I struggle sometimes being almost I was going to say, you can be 30, you can be 50. Yeah. How do you put words on something that was never supposed to happen? Yeah. yeah. Never supposed to happen, nor in to my parents' defense, never explained because it mm. it doesn't happen to my kid, right? Like, right, we believe absolutely. That. 
So I remember, you know, telling my best friend at the time, who was a little bit younger than me, that these things were happening. And of course, she's my age, and we didn't know what to do with it or grapple with it. And um, so what I, my timeline, I remember around 10, 11, 12, somewhere those years of blurriness, it, it started to become really apparent that what was happening wasn't right. And I was so broken by Mm. it without even knowing I was broken Mm. by it. And I, at that point, I really did absorb so much blame because I thought it was all my fault. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you hear this all the time. Yeah. And other people will help you believe that. Yeah. They will come in and and assist you Mm -hmm. in blaming yourself. I learned that particularly after I finally came forward with my parents. Mm. But so I struggled. What I can recall about two years was telling my parents because I knew, I knew it was going to be a big trouble. I knew it was really bad. but how do you tell your parents, right? Oh, such a heavy heart, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. And I I mean, I struggled so hard. And I can remember countless times trying to figure out how to tell my parents. My mom right. specifically, because she's the one I always go to with all the hard stuff. Right. And I remember we were driving home from town. And, and it wasn't really premeditated that I was going to tell her. But I, what I remember is I just blurted it out to her. Wow. And I remember exactly where we were on the road that day. And I remember the silence in the car. Because, of course, like, now I'm a mom. And... <sighs> How would I feel if mm. my daughter just told me the absolute mm. worst possible thing mm-hmm. could have that had happened mm-hmm. to her? And and so, and I'm just kind of recounting this because this was such a, a point in time for me. But I remember we went home and I went straight to my bedroom and I was mortified, Kim, and I was lost and I was mm. so afraid of what was next because I was right. afraid of. My dad was a very loving man, but I was still afraid of what happens when he found out because my mom was in charge of telling my dad. Right, <laughs> I was I was out <laughs> on that. Yeah. And so I hid in my room what felt like hours upon hours upon mm. hours. And then I heard his footsteps coming down the hall. And he opened the door and he said, you need to come to the back door. There's someone here that needs to speak to you. And I didn't, I didn't know. And so I go to the back door. And I'm already crying. At this point, I'm already crying, walking to the back door, not knowing what to expect. And right. there stands the person who abused me. Your your abuser mm-hmm. is now standing there. And he's weeping. Oh, my God. And I'm weeping because it's like... Sorry, and I'm going to probably weep yeah, telling this. It's do. like, you know, you get to this point of finally telling the hardest thing that I've ever probably told anybody, and now I have to face the person that did it. And and it wasn't my parents. Didn't, my dad didn't know any better. He had taken him to the shop, and he had threatened to kill him, as right. every good father would. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and then he told him to give me an apology. And so my dad did what he thought was best in that situation. But, man, that was so hard to stand there and face him. And I don't even know how you would do that. Like you didn't have time to digest that one person in the world now knows you're waiting for this like it's impending doom of your father's reaction and now you're facing your acute like crystal i can't i can't digest this right now it was hard it was so so hard and you know i I do remember you know days later my my parents asking me do you need therapy you know, I'm 13. You know, keep yeah. in mind, like, we 13-year-olds know everything, <laughs> yes. right? And, like, I don't need therapy. I'm fine. This is good. Right. I'll, I'll do what we do best, right? We mm. lock it in a closet and we pretend mm. we're fine. Right. And and so we did. We locked it in a closet. I, you know, went on in, into my next teen years, and all my friends were, you know, they were going on dates, and they were having first kisses and all of that stuff that you're supposed to, like, you're right. supposed to have. Right. And that, that freaked me out to no yeah. end. I remember going to a movie... I think I was 16 or 17 with a couple of people. And 
And the guy sitting beside me was a nice guy. Like, he was a good guy. And I was in a cocoon. I mean, I literally, like, wrapped my arms around me, and I was just holding on for dear life because I was so afraid. What wow. if he tried to touch me? Yeah, wow. Because that's just part of how Because your react. first touch, no, your first imprint of, mm-hmm. of sexual touch, or any touch, really, because yeah. that's, I'm sure it started, I'm sure there was grooming. I'm sure there was yeah certain touch that now you know was leading to something more. even more devastating yeah. yeah and so to now have a nice guy even touch you at all it all goes back to your first imprint which was trauma yeah oh my gosh i know so my my teenage years were really hard mm-hmm. um it, but i had two faces and and i i've heard a lot of survivors are like this you know we had the public face and then we had the internal face and right. my public face i was good in school i was a student you know in part of student go- body government mm-hmm. I was a cheerleader something I, like everything resume wise was where it should be right, right? good grades. Right. and i was dying inside absolutely I mean, I was so dying so i mean i was resorting to i mean ultimately i was anorexia and bulimic mm-hmm. it just depended on how the situation allowed me to manage my pain. Yeah. Because, you know, the body becomes the enemy. It's what we can control. Absolutely. But then you're you're attacking your own body Mm -hmm. because someone else attacked it first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember I had, you know, skipped school and and friends who, you know, their dad might have alcohol in the cabinets, whatever I could get hold of. And those were my coping mechanisms. And now I know all of this. And I didn't know it. I didn't know I was just desperate. I was so lost. And... And just seeking something. And, right. you know, so my, my story continued when I went to college. Well, when I left, as soon as I could leave for college, I mean, I left early. I graduated from high school, moved to college because I thought I could run away from right. my past. Yeah. And I did for a period of time. And then my sophomore year, I was raped. Uh, oh, my gosh. My roommate had gone to pick up a guy who was supposed to be crushing on the couch. And instead, he crushed on me. And, oh, wow. You know, but I... So many survivors, like so many survivors, I I was in the mindset of, well, one, I dissociated, but two, the sooner I just lay here and let him do what he does, the sooner he's gone. Just get it over with. And so I never told him no. You know, yeah. I never pushed him. I never fought. The things mm. that I wish I could do in my mind, I didn't mm. do. Right. I was trained. Yeah. From early right. in life. Right. And you don't way. know what happens if you do fight and say no. Yeah. And this guy was a football player at the yeah. university. So there was no way I was really, truly going to fight him off right. either. Sure. But, um, yeah. you know, and so that was kind of like one more one more notch in the, in the mm-hmm. belt in a bad way. And I remember slinking to campus the next day with that shame and that guilt that I've carried all my life. Right. Yet again. And I knew where he always was because he, you know, he's part of that cool club. And just feeling, yet again, so lost. Right. So lost. Right. And And so I buried myself into school and work, just trying to hide. Yet yeah. again, trying right. to hide. Um, at that point, too, I was also having flashbacks. Um, you know, just I would be driving down the road, and I would something would trigger me, and I would lose it. I mean, just right. anxiety attacks, panic attacks, depression. I mean, just yeah. it was like compounded. And, I mean, I, I look back, I'm like, man, I wish someone could have seen the signs and helped yeah. me out of that absolutely dark abyss yeah and so when i moved to charlotte in 2002 i think i i just i came to a point like a crossroads i'm like look i'm going to keep going this path of just misery mm. and hopelessness or i'm going to find a way out and i remember i was sitting in my OBGYN. <laughs> sorry if there's guys listening but i was sitting <laughs> in my doctor and i'm like desperate for help I'm like i don't know who to turn to but yeah. this is my problem and i need help yeah she slid two business cards across the table to me and she said i don't know which one's good but good luck. 
And <laughs> were they therapists? They were therapists. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think I don't know what the second. I know one. it was like a business coach or a drug dealer, or <laughs> well, like please with what you've been through, just stay high. <laughs> I didn't know if that was the leave. message. For leave her. my office, <laughs> right? Poor <laughs> woman. So one of the two of them actually by the grace of God, and I give him all credit on this, was a trauma therapist who wow. did MDR. And yeah. so the, the short, long story is I spent the next 10 years in a ro- roller coaster ride going through EMDR, trying right. to face and deal with and unpack and peel back the layers of the onion. But I mean, it was, I look back on it now and I'm like, man, I was so messed up. Because so, it's so, so much, like it's, it's like you have an eight-ounce cup, and someone took a keg and poured it on top of you. Yeah. How are you? There's no yeah. container for that. No. So it spills all over every area, and I think you spend a lot of time trying to clean it up through the perfectionism. Yes. Right? So if, it, so yeah. if everything's good and I'm a cheerleader and no one's going to see what's really happening, and then it still starts leaking out because it's just too big. Too big. It's just too big. I had a um, a therapist that I just admire so much. She made the analogy. It's it's kind of like when you have mold in your basement, right? right. If you leave it there, it's going to fester and it's going yeah. to get worse and it's yeah. eventually Good take point. over your whole yeah. house. And, and that's such a great analogy because I right. feel like that. And, and even after all the years of, of therapy that I've had, sometimes... If I'm not paying attention and doing a little self-care, that mold, I can feel yeah, it where it would sure. creep back in. So it's there's still maintenance. There's a whole bunch of maintenance work that right. still continues and it, to stay. And it's knowing that you deserve that self-care maintenance. Um, I think that's one of the gifts of us going through trauma is that if I don't take care of that mold, okay. if I'd, like it's, it's a great reminder for me because everybody needs to know what they've been through yeah. is to do the self-inventory to still make sure that, you know, that, yeah. that we're not snuffing God's light. Yeah. you know, within us. Yeah. And so it's just, it's life and death for you. It, right? it feels like that. And yeah. it, it's going to be, I'm going to die fighting mm. this fight. It's, right, it's that's right. similar, I imagine, it's similar to, you know, alcoholic, mm-hmm. alcoholism. That's me, everybody. You know, <laughs> brought me into it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> pointy finger. But, you know, you fight that every yeah, day. And right. I feel like no matter how much therapy you have, I'm a, I'm a proponent of therapy, but mm-hmm. you're always going to be fighting right. your past. Right. It's just a matter of deciding, like, okay, I'm going to fight the good fight, the right fight, and be grateful that I'm alcoholic so I, so I do pay attention. Yeah. I was taught how to inventory yeah. and pay attention. It, and I think I've come to the point, too, it's it's a choice of it controls me or I control it. Amen. That's and, right. And I think that, you know, for so long I let it control me, and I finally mm-hmm. chose one day, no, I'm, I've got to go in it, which is the hardest part. I've got mm-hmm. to go in it, and I've got to deal with it so that I can gain control again. Because right. it, it was... Right. And, you know, I've talked to a couple of people about this before. There's no reason I shouldn't have ended up in prison. I was on mm. all the right paths to make all mm. the right mistakes. I did make all the right mistakes. And by the grace of God, mm. he brought me on the other end of it. And right. I'm no better better off or, or because of my experience. Well, I am better off because I've had the opportunity to heal from it. But right. it, was a, it was a rough path. And there's still days where it's, I struggle with it. Yeah, and, it, you know, and I think that's part of doing the therapy mm. and the things is, is that Otherwise, we do get blindsided. Yeah. And so it, you know, it can be a song. It can be seeing somebody. And I explain to people all the time that part of the difficulty is, you know, to me it's very similar, and I think every vet's every fault for us. But, I, you know, I work with, with vets, and they come here, and they hear certain noises, and they're back in Iraq, Afghanistan, for the, those of us older, Vietnam. But for women, just know who've been raped, and men too, they get raped. Mm-hmm. Everywhere they go, they see that man's face. Every every time someone rings a doorbell, yeah, you know, it, it like there's so much that happens with this. This is really, really complex. Yeah, you know, so that's part of the need for consistent 
hardcore therapy with a with a trauma therapist. Yeah, I am a big proponent of that, and you know, it's it, it still trickles out with triggers, but it's it's a point of okay, I'm aware of those triggers now, right. and I know how to prepare for them. Or once it happens, I know how to bring myself back to a, a, a grounded right. place. You can, you can grow yourself up faster. Yeah, right. Yeah, but you know, I love. Um, so my disclaimer, and I told Kim this, is, you know, Brave Step is not a ministry, and I prayed about that, and I'll tell you hmm. why we came to that point, but I do love talking about where he was in my journey, right. because, man, hmm. I, well, one, I, I have heard people to ask me this question, they say, well, you know, h- how did God let you be abused, and and I know there's scripture that says, you know, our, our pain, ultimately, our pain becomes our purpose, if you right. allow it to That's be your right. purpose, That's and, right. and, and, you know, Every now looking back, being a little bit wiser and continuing to grow in my walk, God was with me every step of the way. And if he wasn't, how much worse off would I have been? Absolutely. Would I have lived through it? Would I have chosen other choices when suicide was a contemplation? Right. You know, like, That's right. He was with me and he kept bringing me through every step. And right. I mean, I'm so grateful. I'm so yeah. grateful that he did turn my pain into my purpose. Right. But for me... Um, particularly with Brave Step, I remember it was June of 2011. I was sitting on my therapist's couch, you know, that proverbial oh, yeah. couch. Oh, yeah, got to have the couch. Yeah, it has to be involved <laughs> somehow. And I was mad, Kim. Mm. I mean, I was, every time I watched the news, it was, you know, this elderly woman in a, a senior care home was being mm-hmm. uh, sexually assaulted mm. or raped. There was a kid, a, a young woman on campus that was being raped. There was like countless stories on the news. And I remember I was getting just downright mad. Right. So I'm venting at my poor therapist. I'm telling her all <laughs> this stuff. And I have never heard him speak to me ever this clearly. But he said, go do something about it. Wow. And I've got it actually wow. pinned on my wall. So I'm reminded that I was told. But, you know, but he didn't tell me, well, how, what, is it, what did you mean by go do something? Or how is it going to be done? Mm. Or what did you really want me to do, God? And, you know, what's so funny now, I can see it unfolding when I look back, but um, from that moment, he planted the seed in me that this is what I was supposed to be doing. And so I spent the next year or two years really researching, okay, well, he's telling me to do something then I need to understand what it is I'm trying to at least like enter into. So I studied, you know, the, the space of sexual abuse, what was being done, who was doing it well, you know, what survivors were, were saying about the, the services available. And and like he really took me on this exploratory path. And it's funny because he opened doors and closed doors that needed to be opened and closed. He brought people in my life that I have never had the chance to meet otherwise that mm. have showed me they've they've showed me the direction in which I think he's been telling me to go. Mm. And so in two thousand, I think it would have been thirteen and fourteen, he started giving this this visual. And I, hopefully someone can relate, but I felt like he kept leading me to this cliff. And I'm looking down, and you know it's a beautiful cliff that I imagine in California with the rocks and the waves splashing up and the winds gusting in your hair. And he'd take me to that cliff, and he'd say, "Jump!" Wow. And I'm like, "Uh, uh-uh, I am not jumping." Right. I don't know what's your thing. I'm right. <laughs> not jumping. Right. And that image, he persisted, um, <laughs> persisted <laughs> with that message for about a year and a half, two years. And I'm like, oh, God, this is big jump. And he'd always tell me, I got you. Just jump, Crystal. Just jump. Right. I'm, you know, uh-uh, I'm not jumping. <laughs> and so uh, the program C20 came available. And I remember saying, okay, God, I'm going to apply for this. I'm not trying to challenge you, but I'm going to apply for this. And we're just going to see how it works out. Maybe this is my baby jump. <laughs> Maybe right. this is like, right. I'm going to climb down one level and see how right. it works out. And lo and behold, we get it. We had no idea. Like, I had concepts of what I wanted to do, but we had really no idea what we wanted to do. And 
And so we do the program. We didn't make it to the final stage, but I'm sitting in the audience that night and I'm listening, kind of. And all of a sudden, he starts flooding me with exactly the programs that he wanted us to do. Wow. Kim. It was black wow. and white. I mean, it was, wow. and I was so excited. I just wanted to jump out of, out of this auditorium and go write down the wow. notes because he was laying out our programs that we currently have in right. such a clear but connected way. And I'm mm. like, man, like this is, like, it just gives me chills still thinking about the path that he's been on or that he's put me on. And, you know, it just continues to be. It, it continues to be a faith walk because there's days mm-hmm. where I go, is this really what you want me to do? Right. Is it working? Is it working to your expectations? Am I doing it right? Can I do this? But he continues to kind of pepper me wow. with encouragement, but also the people and the timing according to his will. So it's definitely a faith faith walk. Oh, absolutely. But you, you have created a program through all you've been through. And we're going to, we're going to trek back to that in a second, but we're, you know, anyone, men, women get to come. I'm sure there's a certain age range, 18 yeah. and up, I yep. think. Exactly. That, and it's a support group for free for them. Mm-hmm. And you also connect them to therapists that have met qualifications because, yeah. you know, I'm a psychotherapist, but I've also seen therapists who have actually added to my my shame mm-hmm. and added to my trauma and not understood what to do, how to hold a space, a safe space for yeah. me. And so I don't care what field you're in. There's somebody that's not going to mess with you or they're just not there for the right reasons. Yeah. But you all have qualified. You, you've, done, you've done the work, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, vetted. Yes. You've vetted people. And so you, you have a list of people that you can refer, you can help people get to the right therapist, correct? Yes, exactly. And we've been trying to recruit, recruit Kim for a couple of years now. Right. <laughs> it involves paperwork, so I'm not doing <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think part of it, so... Part of the reason we were so we are so diligent about our therapist. So when pr- post um, actually pre my rape in college, I did mm. seek a therapist off campus. Oh wow! And you know, every I've heard nightmare stories, and there's good therapists and there's not good therapists, or there's right. good therapists and maybe not best in doing trauma work. Right, exactly. But this therapist, I was telling her my story, and she told me her advice, and I don't remember her name, so we can't go find her. But was to go sleep with someone, come back and tell me how you feel. What? I know you don't jump out of your chair. I'm sorry, y'all. I literally just <laughs> jump up. The table. I'm. I need her name. I need. No, I don't need to go back to jail. I'm not going back to jail. I'm not going back to jail. <laughs> but you know that was what? one of many stories, and you've heard that just adds to your trauma. Exactly, and, and I, it took... at least was wise enough to realize that wasn't good advice. Oh my gosh! Um, but that's one of many stories, and we. One is the one thing I learned is you can also have every diploma on the wall, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you have the empathy to serve That's right. a survivor. That's right. Because right. we're complicated and we're a yes. mess. And yes. as soon as you think you've got us fixed, we're a mess again. That's right. And and so having the empathy, but the training, and that's a really big thing. I mean, we've been somewhat criticized that our our requirements to be one of our therapists are too hard. But wow. you know what? That's yeah. Gonna, that's we good. I think that's going to yeah. give us the best. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. So let's go back to that part again, and we'll come back to talk more about Brave Step and its exceptional program because it's a complete 501c3 nonprofit. Yes. Right. So they're freestanding, and so I'm sure they'll take your donations. But more, and the donations are are asked so that y'all can keep helping these people who have no other resource. Right. Absolutely. But you, you know, the whole re-victimization that there is a horrible truth that's hard to talk to uh, about with anyone, or even think about. That once you have been molested, once there's incest or a sexual attack, the likelihood of it happening again is, is stronger. Mm-hmm. And that is because pedophiles and rapists can read when you still walk around carrying 
the subconscious beliefs of being victimized, which is not your fault at all. You're victimized. But when we carry that around, we do carry ourselves differently. In pedophiles and rapists and people of that mindset, horrible, evil mindset, read that. Yeah. And I think that people, those people, somehow they have this sixth sense of how to groom people. Yes. And they take advantage of those that are weak or hungry for love. Yes, true. I mean, I still crave love and affection. It's a little different than it, you know, when I was that age, of course. Mm. But, um, you know, they seem to be able to know who is, is, who's open to it. And it's not open in a way that I accept what's happening to me, but they seem to be able to sniff it out. And it's sad, Mm -hmm. but true. Yeah. And and part of that is a lot of, a lot of, especially young women, again, not saying it doesn't happen to boys. I'm saying I mainly work with women um, who have gone through this, who are open about it. You know, they've been raped. Something's happened. They're an uncle, uncle's molesting them. And so by age 13, they say, if this is going to keep happening to me, I'm going to give it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that becomes their re-victimization in a sense is that they just don't want to ever feel that out of control again. And so we believe the lie that this is what's going to keep me in control is just to give up my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and it's funny because you, you, some people, it's like two roads, right? It's, it's at some point when you have a choice, when you can make a choice, even with the past, you know, playing a huge factor, you either go the, I went the way of don't touch me with a 10 foot pole right, ever, like right, ever, absolutely. or you go to, you know, the, the root of promiscuity, but in our mind or, you know, in our minds, we think we're choosing to do that because it's a sense of control, but it's right. really not. Right. It's just another way of us being revictimized. Right. Absolutely. Which is, it's, it's just continues to compound that trauma. Oh, absolutely. And that's something to be careful of. And, and, you know, it's kind of, let me segue into this. So, you know, as a 48-year-old woman that's not married, there's reasons why I made a decision not to get married. The assumptions people make of me about why, or I need you to know you're incorrect. I had somebody tell me this week that they don't they don't think I'm a Christian because I'm not married. Um, and so I'm not going to explain the trauma that I've been through to them of why I'm never going to, I'm not going to do that to myself. I'm not going to be in that kind of position in my life. Um, do I believe we can be healed through Christ? Absolutely. That part of my life's not healed completely. You know, so us putting each other down or making assumptions about each other, a lot of our stuff comes from trauma, unresolved yeah. trauma. I think so, too. And it, it's funny because I've with our peer support groups, I see such love for each other. But yeah. on the flip side, I've also heard women come at each other and criticizing their experiences, yes. too. And it's a... We, we can't heal when right. we're putting each other. That's right. Either. That's right. And, you know, Kim, to your point, I was 100,000% committed that I was never going to get married. Yeah. And I think it's probably for some similar reasons. Right. One, I never felt worthy. Yeah. And I never felt like I could, one, find that person that could deal with the complex me. Right. <laughs> and then right. trust being in a space with him. Yeah. And, you know, I was really, really, really lucky. My husband when we started dating, I told him pretty much right out of the gate and he was so supportive wow. and there are times where he unintentionally triggered me and I right. would I lost I mean I remember two instances I was mm. like psychotic because I just mm. lost it yeah yeah because I mean I had flash you know right flash absolutely it felt the and, same yeah and he was so gracious through all that and so it, it wasn't by the the grace of God that I got him I would probably still be single yeah and you know I was also very much on the no kid no kid track. Right. And a lot right. of that was because I didn't think I didn't think I could be a mom that could I was afraid I couldn't protect my kid from what uh, happened to me. That makes I, sense. That might sure. be the next worst thing that I could imagine happening. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Other than death that I would get that call or Right. And I'm slightly hyper vigilant about it with my son and he's right. only three, but I was three when Yeah, when it started. started. So yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, 
it just it rears its ugly head in every aspect of our life. Right. Have you noticed anything with with your children as they get to different ages? Are, are you flashing back, or your or? And I know they're op- the flashbacks are are horrible experience, but they're also opportunities to know there's more work to do. Yeah. Right. So, are you having that when your kids get certain ages? I don't know yet. Um, right. So I remember when. We That's right. Your ten-year-old's a doggy. That's what yes, it is. Yeah, he's yes, a doggy. Yes. Okay. I remember um, now. Sorry, my bad. No, it's okay. <laughs> I had a, a really good friend. Her daughter, when she was around four years old, we went to a pool party, and this was pre us having a kid. And, and then we were all sitting seated on the edge of the pool, and this little girl was swimming with her friends. And I don't know what it was, but there's something that triggered me with her age. And knowing I my abuse started around three, right? Like I went back. I mean, I'm. Don't remember, they were talking, I have no idea what they were talking about, because I so went in that space of, right. that was me, and, yes. and yes. almost reliving a lot of what I was going through at that time, so I am concerned it's, it could happen with, yeah. my son turns three in like two weeks, Okay. and okay. so I am aware that that very well yeah. could happen, and yeah. even being a mom with him, particularly, I'm getting more comfortable with it, but even, he's a boy, and so watching him you know, there's been the questions of, okay, this is appropriate behavior, right, for a mom? And right. It's, it's, it's weird. That, that I completely understand. Yeah. Like, just the thought of wanting to touch a kid because they got that little pheromone thing going, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to touch them. I think, oh, no, they don't have, they can't have a voice and say if I can touch them or not. I know. Yeah. You know, I, um, I have a big reaction when people who I know have had more innocent lives than I had say, like, go hug Kim. And I'm like, no, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> You need to tap into your choice right now, appropriate touch. And and, and that is not at all what, what's happening for them, but it is for me. Mm-hmm. And I do think we need that message out that, that yeah. to teach a child to go hug someone without it being their choice, and then later they get touched inappropriately, mm-hmm. it does make it more confusing. Yeah, it's um, our, the good thing is my little boy, he's already pretty bold. He's like, leave me alone. Don't touch me. And, <laughs> That's and, awesome. You know, I'm trying to respect that. Even as a mom yes. that I want to hug him, I'm like, right. okay, no, I want right. him to say that. Because I grew up, you know, Eastern North Carolina, Baptist family, you know, there's rules. And as a little Southern girl, you smile. Yeah. And if someone hugs you, you hug them. You know, right. it's these this is rules. truth. It's the truth. Yeah, and I wish, I mm. so wish someone said, you have permission to say no. Amen. I mean, how much different would we be? Yeah. I mean, I probably wouldn't be sitting here doing this, this gift of work I get to do now. But, right. I mean, that's one thing with, with anyone that's listening, you know, just... Give your kids permission to say no. Absolutely. Because that will, it could very well change their life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and teaching, it's really okay. Like boys get, get told it's okay to say no, to be rough. To, yeah. But to tell little girls like you, it's not about, you know, having to have a dad that protects the little girl. It's, it's our job to teach our little girls mm-hmm. to say no, to not be, will you please, please don't stalk me. If you don't mind, don't stalk me. Like be able to say Yes. No, Delone, you don't have to respond. You don't have to return that text. When a, yeah. For these teenage girls now, being asked for nudes, they think it's a compliment. I, oh, I can't even imagine getting right? into that. Yeah. So, yeah, we won't even go there. Well, right? We don't yeah. have time. We would. But I'm just saying, like, it's just about, you know, just I think your testimony is so strong that we're talking age three. Really good parents. This is not a podcast about blaming parents. No, great Blame parents. and responsibility have never met. Yeah. You know, Crystal's here because she took responsibility for what happened to yeah. her. 
I just wish, I mean, just to your point, I wish someone had said, you can say no. You can say, and and hopefully this is okay, hell no. Hell no. owning some of that power. Yes, that's right. Because we were, we're little girls. Right. Again, I mean, I'm Southern, so I can say that. We little Southern girls are just supposed to be polite (laughs) and go along with whatever people say because that's what we're supposed to do. And that is not right. That is not right. (laughs) I just wish I could have owned that voice a long time ago. Amen. So I want to do a couple things and then we'll we'll wrap up. I'd like to just really be clear with everybody. There are different types of trauma. There's relational trauma, developmental trauma, inherited trauma, sexual trauma. There's sexual assault. There's complicated grief trauma. And so to find a therapist that has gone the extra mile, if not 5K, to really understand trauma, I'm surprised when people come to my office and they say that my last therapist terminated with me because I brought up sexual abuse. I'm like, that's what everybody talks about with me. Why would that be a deal breaker? Granted, thank you for that therapist being honest. Right, that's yeah. honesty. Okay, they get a point. Yeah, they get a point for that. <laughs> I just don't know how to not know how to navigate with that with somebody because it's so much of what so many of us go through. Well, I mean, you and I know the statistics. One in four women and one in six men are sexually abused by the age of 18. Right. And the CDC says 42 million. Wow. That And that's reported. Right. So we know most of us never Partic- Particularly report. men. That's why it's easier yeah. to talk about women because men don't report. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think part of the reason I ended up starting Brave Step was somewhat stemming from my experience because one I didn't know what kind of care I needed right nor did I know who did it well like so it's a good point it's a really good point EMDR therapy or IFS I mean none of those things made any sense whatsoever to me even just general trauma therapy and and then who does it I don't know I just wanted help I was desperate for help yes so true thank you for bringing that back up I wanted to circle back to Understand that EMDR is about eye sense, eye, eye movement, mm-hmm. and that it's a bilateral stimulation. It has to do with a lot of people. They're talking about their trauma. If you watch them, their eyes go back and forth when they're actually moving through the trauma. So EMDR is very specialized. Mm-hmm. It actually works so well that a lot of people, if they're if they are pressing charges against their assailant, mm-hmm. the perpetrator, they're told to not do EMDR prior to going to court because they will seem apathetic. Yeah. And juries need to see how painful it is. Yeah. So it's very effective. I'm certified in it. I just need y'all to know it bores me. I don't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, I, but I'm very much for IFS, uh, Crystal mentioned, is internal family systems. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge advocate for that. I was personally sh- trained by Richard Schwartz, who's the founder of it. Huge into that. Um, peer therapy started by John Lee and Dan Jones, uh, Connie Burns and VJ Director, if you want to look that up, or people who still are doing that. That's about releasing it from your body. Cognitive behavioral therapy, for me, does not change what happened to me as a little girl. Yeah, and we've, we've, we think that's a good tool to have in your toolbox, but yes. we want those other tools. We want the, yes. the specialized trauma training because right. CBT is it's taught in school. It's, it's yeah, everyone can do CBT. All the yes. trained professionals right. can do CBT, but yes. it's not trauma directed right so i can well it's also proven that ptsd and cpt don't go really well together Mm -hmm. i can look in the mirror and say i am good enough they a little girl got violated she can't hear that like it's it's deep work getting to her and bringing truth to her Mm -hmm. you know i share a lot about that i was covered in lies and the fear that came from the trauma and so my recovery was a recovering it's a literal recovering of truth and so that truth is not for a 48-year-old Kim. It's mm-hmm. for the little girl who, mm-hmm. who had, a, had, had, had it kind of tough, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 So I want to read something, everybody. Before I do, is there anything else about Brave Step, anything that people can do to be a part of this, to contact you? How would they do yeah. that? So if, if you want to volunteer, we just kicked off a volunteer program. And I, and I, 
It's funny because actually I, I spoke, this is probably a year ago, for a group and, and God told me, he clarified my message afterwards because I said, we need money. And yes, we <laughs> right, do need money because right, it right. does help us do these services. Yeah. But he told me when I left, he said, no, Crystal, you need an army. Because wow. if you get an army, you're going to get all the other pieces. And, and I think that's so true because we really do need an army of volunteers, an army right. of people that are passionate, crazy right. passionate about this right. work. Right. And so we have a volunteer program now up and going. And then, of course, if you need help, um, check us out. I mean, we are, we are here, and Kim mentioned we do individual counseling with trauma therapists, right. group therapy, peer support group, empowerment yes. programs. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. And Which, so I know it takes time to build that, and you yeah. want a strong foundation so you've yeah. Reach that. So it's bravestep.org. Yes, bravestep.org. Yeah. For and them to check so out. So we're four years old. So we're still we're still in that infantile right. stage. Right. But I mean, I got I've got some crazy visions he's given me. So I'm hoping yeah. that it all it's it is all falling into place in his timing. <laughs> right. All right. Well, God had me write this, and I didn't know why. So I'm going to read it now. It has not been read. Um, I figure if anybody's listened to this so far, they've already been triggered because this is a little triggering. So they've already been triggered. But here you go, everybody. You said it wouldn't hurt a bit. No bigger lie has ever crossed a sick man's lips. You said I would like it. It was the last thing I ever wanted to like. You said it was natural. (sighs) And then self-hatred became just as normal. You said it was like playing. And my toys changed to pints, razors, and rolling papers. You said I had to be quiet. My numbness became louder than the sound of your heavy breathing. So that's the harsh reality of what so many of us go through. And there's no happy ending of what I wrote because it's not based on who violated me. It's based on Crystal and I sitting here and you listening. That's the happy ending. That's, that's the healing uh, that we can come together with this and be honest. Nothing hidden gets better. So Crystal, thank you for being here. We really want to ICU Talks wants to partner with you even more and help people know that um, we're a baby agency. You know, we're five years in. You're four years in. All right. Um, have you gotten a paycheck yet? I haven't gotten no, a paycheck. No. Yeah. It's coming. It's in the mail somewhere. Is it? Okay. Yeah. It's in, in the mail. I think they, Alaska or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's being mailed out. And um, so we're in this because we want to kick Satan in the teeth, whether it's mm-hmm. sexual abuse, whether it's relational abuse, whatever it is. Um, we're here for the long haul. And so if you can help Crystal stay in this, um, then please donate. If you need some support and you want to be a part of this, then go to bravestep.org. So thank you, Crystal. And thank you, Kim. You're just an inspiration. Uh, you know, there's days just like we all have good days and bad days. And I just it's nice to be able to be around people like you that you keep fighting the good fight. No, oh, thank, thank you, you, sister. I'll fight the good fight and be a part of your army any day. <gasps> thank you. Yay. Good team. Thanks, uh, listeners. We'll see you next time.